Hey guys, quick listener note, this is part two from last week's conversation on signs of an unhealthy relationship. I encourage you to listen to this all the way through to the end where some of the most powerful pieces of our conversation are revealed. Uh, It will change your life, especially if you are one that is uh, struggling with unhealthy mindsets and behaviors, or if you are in a close relationship with someone that is, and it's impacted. You. So enjoy uh, this conversation uh, and make sure you listen to the end. You're absolutely correct. I think as you've been talking, like some of the signs that I've been thinking of as we go is um, obviously the not listening, which often um, not only is it in conversation where you're trying to resolve something, but I do this even with friendships. If the conversation is always a one person conversation, meaning There's no uh, consideration or um, question as far as me, my family, my business, et cetera. In other words, you know, when you get around a person, it's all them and their problems, but they are saying that they want a friendship with you or a relationship with you. That's not a relationship because you have to have two people engaged in relating. That is, you're a soundboard. And so whenever you have a person in your life where it's all about them, it's all about their problems, it's all about what you're doing wrong, that is not a healthy relationship. That is a bad relationship. And another thing I'll do is like, if I become, I'll put air quote friends with someone where they they were going through a difficult time uh, and that's kind of what bonded us, you can really tell if a relationship is real after the crisis is over, because is there anything to say and is there a willingness to go further? And so whenever I find, um, you know, that the, the crisis is over and there's really not much left and that to me is a decision point of, okay, do we want to build this relationship or not build this relationship? Because when you're in a battle, you can feel very close to your comrade comrades in arms, but it, it may not be anything outside of that. And so that's another thing I look for is, is there conversation that's two-way or any conversation at all? And then I think another sign is being very controlling as well uh, in everything, including the conversation, the finances, where you're at, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what do you think about those two, two signs, Coach? Oh, I think those are all very true, what you're saying. It, it is. And... The great thing about what you're saying is that they leave signs for us, you know, and this is why I keep coming back to the individual. Right. It's like it could be horrible. Like you said, controlling, um, negative. You pick the unhealthy behavior. The thing about it is the unhealthy behavior. It leaves a sign. It gives you an indication of what's going on. So when you recognize it, that's when you become responsible as a person. It's like, you know what? They really are not interested in me as a person. They just want, like you just said, they want me to be their sounding board or they only call me doing certain times or however that works out. It's like, recognize that about the person, right? Recognize that. And even though you're not able to see me on the screen here, one of the things that I, as a matter of practice, I remember the day it entered my mind that vulnerability is not a weakness. Mm-mm. Okay. So you want to be friends with somebody you really like them. It may be somebody that you really love 
or however it is. But then there's a part of you that says, you know what, this is just not good for me. And even though I might have a certain feeling or a certain kind thought to, to that person, it's like, this is still not good for me. Um, I need to leave, right? I need to leave this situation, get another job, form another partnership or whatever that is, right? Yeah. Because I recognize who I am as a person in relationships, right? I'm, if I tell you I'm your friend, I'm your friend, mm-hmm. right? Which means then there's a certain level of vulnerability that we have in that relationship, right? Because we allow ourselves to be emotionally connected to that person, psychologically connected to that person, right? Yeah. But the minute we observe what we're seeing, that's when we get a chance to say, no matter how much I want to support you, your business, your family, your relationship, whatever that is, if you're not willing to change, our association has to end or it's going to take a different form because there is no way you're going to allow yourself, despite recognizing vulnerability, you're not going to allow someone to treat you uh, disrespectfully. Yeah. Yeah, that dishonor and I mean, name calling, there's all kinds of things. But like you said, the signs are the impact for you. And I think maybe two questions could be asked, Coach, because I used to um, ask Kent this when he was growing up and I asked a, a teenager this the other day. I think two signs of healthy uh, relationships would be, are they a champion for you? And then are they making you a better person? So if you look at like, well, if we take the example of uh, you and Laura Lee moving, um, you know, like I said, that was, that was, you know, I had lots of questions. I um, was, you know, pretty sad about it and I had to process through that, but there was no way, uh, well, it wouldn't have worked anyway, but there was no way I was going to do or say anything to dissuade you guys from going the path that you guys have, you know, picked out for y'all and your marriage and your business and your happiness and all of that. So when I say champion, that's what I mean. You'll always have those intersections where maybe uh, there's a surprise or a curveball, or maybe there's even a lack of agreement when it comes to specific things, um, whatever that looks like. But that person is going to be a champion for you to go the path, the journey that you have before you, uh, or make the decision that is best for them, even if it may, in a way, make you nervous or, um, you know, just spark some you know emotion that you didn't expect. So when I say champion, it's like almost like you're a champion to your own hurt, meaning you're not going to impose upon that person, anything that would stop them from living their authentic life. Would you agree with that statement? I do agree. And I'll say this on top of that. When you take the step that you just described, you open up another opportunity. Because until that conversation occurs, you don't know what lies beyond the veil. Yeah. And so when in this, in, in the case of our work together, it was like, well, hang on for a second. We have something good here. Now I have to go because of the nature of my work and, you know, and continuing career pursuit. 
but the work we do, there's a way for us to continue. And that's what we find out when we have that conversation, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Um, that vulnerability, it's like, ah, guess what? You don't have to get into fear. You don't have to get into negativity. And then what you find out, you get a blessing. Not only are you able to continue, but you can actually do more things together. Right? So when you then, look at like signs, if they're not making you a better person, and what I mean by that is, again, being a champion, uh, challenging you when you're being a stinker, um, not calling you names. I mean, it's amazing the names people call each other, especially in like romantic relationships. I'm like, what are y'all doing? I mean, it's one thing to have a fight, you know, and you're like, you're uh, acting like a whatever. That's that's one thing. But I mean, like just constant name calling, things like that. To make you a better person means they believe in you and they're going to say and do things that support that. Yes, ma'am. So you know my work. And when it comes to any type of partnership, um, any type of relationship, one, I start with the individual, right? Hurt people hurt people. Don't allow somebody to hurt you um, because somehow or another you might think you deserve it. Mm. But I'll just say this much. Um, There are some things that I believe are not permissible. They're non-negotiable. If when you start calling someone a name, right, you're really hurting that person's body, right? You're not just saying a name. You're doing something far more devastating to that person when you're doing that. Yeah. And if you're at that level, I have no problem telling people you're not in a healthy relationship. You know what your name is. If somebody calls you something other than your name, you know, you really need to stop and think about that because that's a powerful energy when somebody calls you a a derogatory name. Yeah. Right. And um, I use an example of a hammer and nail when I work with clients in my office, when they're in the office and they're looking around and I'll show them a place on the wall where a nail was. And I said, you see that hole in the wall? That hole represents something negative that we said to another person. You're this, you're that, right? Yeah. But then we can go and put spackling right in that hole and paint over it. I said, but here's the issue. You can cover up the hole, but it's still there. Yep. It's just like the wound. When you hurt somebody with your language, you can come back and say you're sorry. But that wound is still there. And if you continue to do that, then your relationship at that point is just going to deteriorate. And I think we've known enough people in our lives who have endured just horrible uh, interpersonal situations where, you know, they've been called names, they've been treated a certain way, and they're stressed out and they're unhappy. And the other person benefits in the sense that they might think that they have power over the person that they are shaming, if you will. But in truth, their own life is now limited because they stop their, they prevent their own capacity from enjoying a healthy relationship because of what they're doing. Yeah. uh, It's like they're self-sabotaging. Yes, they are. And so when I, when I come across that and I'm, and it's real clear 
um, I tend to take a different role with couples. I have certainly had couples tell me, I can't believe you're doing this. It's like, no, I'm not doing it. You are. Mm -hmm. Because you're behaving in front of me. But when you get in the car with each other, you're just going to bludgeon each other. Yeah. It's absolutely. And I'm thinking of a, whew, I'm thinking of a couple right now. Um, and they stopped seeing me because I told them, I said, you're hurting each other. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to allow my service to be used for that. If you want to improve your relationship, I'm your guy. If you want to put on the gloves and punch people out, you need to find someone else. Yeah. And I said, in this case right here, you're not helping each other and it doesn't look like you want to. So unfortunately for you, our work has ended. Right. Well, and that's an example of you recognizing a relationship situation where it was in a professional setting, but it's like, I'm not going to allow, you know, the, the benefit, the service I bring, the, um, the good things that I bring to this to be used now as weapons to attack one another. And, um, and, and so you brought it to an end. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because I mean, at the end of the day, it may sound simple, but the truth is no one should allow themselves to be mistreated. Mm -hmm. And I would say that as a part of our life journey, if you will, that should be one of the first things that we attend to because it affects everything else that we want to do in our lives. You know, if you you need a healthy self-concept so that other people respect who you are and make your relationships professional, interpersonal, family, or otherwise more beneficial. I think if you're the one that is actually hurting the relationship, which it can be really hard for people to realize that they might be, because I know it takes two to tango, but you know what I mean? There's usually a dominant um, situation going on uh, in relationships where one is trying to make it work and the other is uh, almost like the emotional, mental, and sometimes physical batterer. Um, Yep. You got to ask yourself, is the pain that you're trying to hold on to as a self-defense, which is actually, um, it's, it's killing the life you want around you. It's, it's harming you as a person. It's harming those that you say you love. It's even harming your career, your professional status, your re reputation in town. Is the pain that you want to hold on to worth it? And coach, what I would like to do if you have a few more moments, I think what I want to do I is do. I'd like to make this a part two because we're going to keep talking and then I'll divide it up myself because I want okay. to go into, uh, uh, and I think it's a perfect segue, offense. So when I texted you last night, I was pondering, uh, I was sitting there, I'm like, what do, what do we want to talk about tomorrow? And I was kind of thinking of, you know, a few topics. And so I, I thought of, you know, signs of unhealthy relationships and the idea of offense came to my mind and you wanted, you know, clarification on that. So offense to me is where people are just offended. And when I say that, I don't mean like occasionally offended by something that someone does. I mean, they're living a lifestyle of being offended. And that is seen in that everything someone says or does is filtered through offense and the offense doesn't even have to be like they're offended with you. 
It can be an origin story that happened decades before that has nothing to do with you, and yet they're pulling their offense, their past into a current relationship. Well, one of the things I've noticed, Coach, because I was sitting there thinking about like several people where I've seen that happen. They become offended, and then here's what I've noticed, and I'm not throwing out a diagnosis. I'm just going to say this in the typical idea of what we would think of a narcissist, which is they become so focused on themselves that now everything is about them. So everything that other people do, they think it's about them when it might not have anything to do with them. So like if a change is made in the office, they immediately think, oh, that's, you know, that's because of me. Or if a change is made in an organization or a group or a relationship or something is said that has nothing to do with them, they think it's about them. So it's like, um, just to throw out a scripture, since I am a preacher, you know, it says it's easier to win a walled city than it is an offended person. So it's like, no matter what you do, everything is filtered through offense. Can you uh, kind of talk into that a little bit? So one of the things that happens is somebody allowed that person to get to a place in their mental makeup where they are personalizing absolutely everything that is happening. Yeah. It's like, why are you making this about you? This has nothing to do with you, right? And so when we fail to correct a correctable behavior, we make it permissible, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Wait a minute. Well, they're hurting other people's feelings now because they're making somebody um, account for something that they this just not even in their minds. It's like, what are you talking about? I wasn't talking to you. Um, I was talking about something else. Or like the example of my neighbor there in Clovis, you know, he's like, oh, man, you got an awesome ride. And then he started talking about, well, I bet that gas mileage. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. This is, you know, who, buy, who buys a rose bush and complains about thorns? That was me just basically saying to the guy, you actually are not talking about me right now. You're actually talking about yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And but you don't recognize it. So I just gave you an example. Maybe you woke up to it because what I could have said in that moment was, what the hell are you talking about? Who buys a vehicle like this and complains about it? It's like, you know, but I I didn't want to do that, but I understood where he was at. And I'm saying that somewhere along the line that. Just as a nation. We have to understand that everything is not about you, right? Yes. Um, it's not. This is a planet. Everything is involved in this thing. But just because something happens over here, the office has changed or somebody's talking about something else, stop personalizing it because it's really a form of weakness for that person. It really is. And I, um, I think people that are in relationships with people that are offended. So, because I used to be very offended, and I have to watch it. You know, how I am coach about politics and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I can get a little yeah. riled up. But um, <laughs> one of the things is I I lived a lifestyle of offense, and I remember, 
you know, um, you know, our listeners know by now that um, I'm a person of, you know, faith, Christian faith. And I had read a book called The Bait of Satan. And it's not like this weird, you know, oh my gosh, you know, it's about demon stuff. No, it was about how the word offense in the Greek uh, is scandalon. And it's where we get the word scandal or scandalize, where someone's being talked about in a way that's, you know, offensive or hurtful to them and their reputation. But the original meaning of it is a, a deceitful trap. So it doesn't look like a trap, but when you put your hand in there, all of a sudden you're caught. And uh, so Ooh. it's camouflaged. And so I read this book and I was like, man, I, I am definitely, I've taken the bait, you know, cause I had some uh, abusive things in you know, my childhood and stuff like that. And so what I had done, and this is what I felt in my prayer time that God had showed me was I had built up like a, you know, those old fashioned, you know, towers, but there were no windows and there were no doors. And so I couldn't mm. let people in and I couldn't get out. So I had made myself a prisoner because I felt very comfortable building up this wall to protect me. Uh, from future hurt. Well, what it had done is it had made me not only offended, but also offensive. And uh, so mm. I made a commitment to, you know, allow that wall to be torn down and to um, not live an offended lifestyle. And um, mm. so what happened is it was like things I had really wanted for years, all of a sudden started happening. And uh, especially like in relationships and things like that. But even, you know, your business relationships will suffer because people can tell you're offended because it comes out and you're treating them like crap and they don't want to do business with you. So uh, once that happened, now I'm really watchful because I don't want those walls to get back up. Well, one of the things is if you're, you know, because I'm saying this from a person who used to live an offended lifestyle, offended heart. If you're with someone that is offended, there is there's nothing you can do to change them. Uh, it has to come from a revelation and insight where they're willing to make the change. And so I think you have to be really careful of staying in those types of relationships with someone that is that offended. They're battering you with their words. It's always about them. They're very selfish and, and interpret everything you say and do through how it affects them. You've got to be really careful. And the other thing I've also noticed is people that are offended think that everybody's doing the very things that they're actually doing. So, you know, they'll say, well, you're rude. Well, actually, they're being rude. You know, like everything that they find wrong with you is typically how they're living. So mm. they become accusers, but they're actually mm. the ones that are doing the things they're accusing you of. So what I do, Coach... If I know that someone is an offended person, just generalized, um, I'm very watchful, very careful, but I can tell you I'm batting uh, three and O that eventually they won't be able to hang out or be around me because I don't put up with that and I don't care. Like In other words, your offense, you own it. I don't. It doesn't impact me. I'm not going to allow it to impact me. So I either cut off the relationship, I severely minimize it if it's a necessary one, or I just walk, I mean, I'll, I'll just walk away or let them walk away. And I don't chase people that do that. That's a policy I had to learn after trying to convince people, you know, to, 
I guess, change and to let go of offense, and it never worked. What do you think about that? Wow, Sherry, that's kind of like powerful stuff because, <clears throat> you know, what you did was was really important. I, I think the listener really needs to hear, uh, they need to replay your testimony on that. Because what you just said was, I lived in a tower with no windows, right? Mm -hmm. And many times that's where a person is at if they're constantly offended. It's like, so for me, I would say, why are you, I would ask a person, why are you thinking that way? Why do you think that what someone else does has to offend you, right? Which is another way of saying you don't really have great boundaries, right? Because mm -hmm. you really are now interfering, judging all of these different things, right, by some standard that really isn't accurate. Yeah. Um, now, I believe that we know, I think we know what a legitimate personal offense is. I think each person knows what that is relative to the individual, right? Yeah. But if you are attaching to something that does not really have anything to do with you, that's that's the first step. It's like you really need to correct your thinking, right? Because you you not only are you easily offended, but you offend other people with your worldview, which is quite narcissistic. And I like to say when you refuse to believe that other people can think similar to you, you're being a narcissist. If you yeah. think you're the only person that can think a certain way, that can have a certain point of view, you're being a narcissist, right? You're, you're disregarding, you're blaming, and it's like you really have to stop that. Well, right? and I know like in my story, I actually had legitimate reasons to be offended. You know, it was like abuse, yeah. drugs, alcohol, divorces, um, all kinds of stuff. But I will say, and if you're someone that's offended, the offense was a, a false sense of protection from harm and hurt. Because I remember distinctly feeling in my body that when I made a commitment and I prayed and said, I make a commitment to be vulnerable and not to live in offense. I felt naked. I felt like yes. I didn't have any protection. So for a lot of people, don't justify your offense because you have legitimate reasons to be offended or you have legitimate reasons to try to protect yourself. Um, whether it's legitimate or not, offense never solves problems, nor does it protect. It actually, um, it to me, it's like... A, any goodness, like if, if it was a, a grapevine with beautiful grapes, any goodness, any future wine that you're going to get from that, uh, that, that vineyard, it, they, it just withers up and dies. It's like a poison. Offense is a poison to everything good in your life, and it will cost you everything, whether you have reason to be offended because of things that have happened to you or it's just perception that's not based in uh, a reality where you're thinking things are happening that isn't any offense, whether you think it's legit or not, will never solve problems, never bring happiness, and never benefit relationships, ever. Sherry, that's 100%. And at this point, I think you're picking up on the, the, the origin story, yes. right? Because most, in most cases, when we're offended like that, 
we're coming from some other place, yes. right? Now, in my work, when somebody has that kind of a struggle, it's like, you know what? That's a part of your journey. That's a part of your healing because it's affecting your life in us in such a way for it can look different for each person. But when I hear those types of things, it's like you have some work to do. And most likely, this has been my experience. Now, I need to separate this for the listener. I do not include traumatic experiences in this statement that I'm making right now. Okay. Right. Because that's a whole nother level of work. Right. I'm just talking about the typical worried well. Right. You know, goodness gracious, I can't believe they did that. You know, that person, not the person that's coming from trauma. Yeah. Right. And the bonding that come from that trauma. Yeah. So when I see that with the person, it's like, you know what? Your work needs to happen in this area because chances are the reason you're offended because there's something in you that is not being expressed. You are not living the life that you want to live. And so you are now outward focused. You're criticizing things around you. But what you really want to do is to answer the question internally so you can now begin to enjoy your life at the level that you criticize other people. And it's so worth it, Coach. I mean, when I look back, I remember it's 1998 in our very first house. That's how significant that experience was. And when I look back at that, I am so thankful. But what was stunning, the revelation that was stunning to me, is the very mechanism of offense I was using to protect myself in the hopes of getting the life I wanted was actually the very wall that was stopping me from getting the life that I wanted. And once I recognized that, everything began to flow and get into uh, to get into place. And so that's that's the revelation people need to get. If you're listening to this and you're the offended person, you you know you. You have a life you want. It's there. You just have to get out of the way. You know, don't hold on to those things and then have those healthy boundaries and also recognize signs of people that are unhealthy or offended that might try to come into your life and either get you back into that or get you under their influence. Sherry, that's powerful right there. I mean, that's, that is, um, I don't know that I can say anything on top of that other than the fact that it is our responsibility ultimately to recognize, right? So if you hear, um, what is the expression that we must work out our own salvation and fear and trembling, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you're describing right there. It's like, don't be the agent of your own demise because of, because of the way you're thinking about things, you know, you want to be happy, but you interfere with your happiness because your thinking is not accurate. You know, I also, <laughs> I tell people, especially those that say they're Christians and they're acting like the devil. Um, I tell them, I say, you know, don't have the the faith of the devil because in James, it says the demons even believe and tremble. A lot of Christians, they don't even have faith that causes them to tremble. And the other thing that I found out is when you're an accuser, when you go after someone, according to the Greek, you're acting like the devil. So if you are of the Christian faith, quit being like the devil. <laughs> you, you know, absolutely, because I'm just going to say this. 
Um, religion aside, if you're going to follow that person um, that you call Jesus Christ, then you need to do some work on your unconditional love, those thoughts that you have going on. Because if you're running around, you're yelling and screaming and you're you just your face is red, you're you're just on this war path and you're just doing negative things. And then you think that you can wake up Sunday morning and go to church. It's like, no, you are not living Christianity. Right. You are living in pretense. Right. You are just pretending. And this is why we're saying that, you know, you need to go inside and do the work. Yeah. Right. Because other people recognize it uh, again. I would never walk around and and proclaim to be a Christian. Um, but aside from some of the quirky things that I do, <laughs> if someone is talking to me, they're not going to know that because the way I'm treating them, all they see, all they receive from me is goodness, mm-hmm. right? That's all they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that and say, I'm not a Christian, and yet you can call yourself one, but you got horrible behavior, you need to go back to the dry race board and, you know, you need to rethink what you're doing. Bam. Right? I think that's yeah. a good note to end on, Coach. All right. 